Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. And yes, it's the 100th episode of the Life After Sugar podcast. So happy 100th episode. And for this episode, I asked my listeners what they'd like me to talk about on the 100th episode. So I got lots of questions and I'm going to answer some of them on this episode and some of them on another episode because when I answer questions, I tend to go on a bit. <laughs> so I thought I'd make two shortish episodes in order to give you proper answers. And I hope that these answers to the listeners' questions will give you the insight and the guidance that you need. And if you need my personal guidance so that you too can let go of sugar and live your life on your terms with your rules without sugar getting in the way and dictating just how much fun you have in life, then I invite you to check out the After Sugar Club where you can get either group support or more personalised support from me depending on your needs. Just go to aftersugarclub.com and click on Join the Club. And just before I get started on the Q&A, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. If it's your first time here, welcome. And if you're a regular, thank you for listening to the 100 episodes or however many episodes you've listened to. And if you haven't yet rated and reviewed this podcast, could I ask you to scroll down, tap on the five stars to rate this podcast and write a short review to share how this podcast is inspiring you in your life after sugar. The way that it works is that the more this podcast gets rated and reviewed, the more people it's shown to, which means that we're all spreading the word about just how wonderful it can be to live a sugar-free life without all the negative effects of sugar. So one of the questions that I received for the 100th episode is for ways to replace sugar in your life as a favourite pastime. I mean, if you've always loved treating yourself with friends and family and colleagues and so on, and you feel a bit lost as to how you can find other ways to socialise without feeling like you're the odd one out or a bit boring with just sipping black coffee or water or sparkling water, then I'm going to give you a few tips for how to replace sugar. And by the way, this question was sent in by Mel from Northern Ireland. So for the question, what can I replace sugar with? I have two different answers. The first one is to do with actual foods to replace sugar with and the second is more to do with your outlook and your attitude. 
So let's talk about foods that can replace sugar. A lot of people turn to other types of sweeteners, or air quotes, better sweeteners, like honey or maple syrup, or stevia, or allulose, and if none of those trigger your cravings or send you down a slippery slope of wanting sugary foods, then go ahead. But my personal approach is to keep to unprocessed whole sources of sweetness if you're really looking for sweet tastes, and one of the best ways is to stick to whole fruit. Now, not a ton of it, not dried fruit, and not whizzed up into a smoothie or a compote or some kind of liquidized form of fruit, but whole fruit that you actually need to chew. Sure, you can cut it up into small pieces if you want, but you still need to be able to chew the fruit rather than drink it. Why? Because then you can get all the benefits of the fruit satiating water and fibre without creating a sugar rush in your body that comes from liquidized or pureed fruit. I mean, you don't want to be replacing the sugar rush from refined sugar by the same type of sugar rush from so-called natural sources of sugar. In my humble opinion, and in my experience, you're way better off replacing refined and added sugar with a little bit of whole fruit. And some fruits with less sugar are citrus fruits like lemons and limes and grapefruit, and also berries like raspberries, strawberries, blackberries, blueberries, plus green apples and avocado. Yep, that's a fruit too. But really, here's the thing to look out for. If you find that any sweet tastes trigger your cravings, then it may be wise not to tempt your taste buds with sweet tastes and to stick to savoury foods, if only for a temporary period. I did it for two weeks and it made a huge difference. It kind of reset or trained my taste buds to get used to less sweetness overall. And then what I found was that my taste buds became more and more sensitive to sweet tastes and I enjoyed sweet tastes less and less, which means that I wasn't running after sweet tastes to try to replace sugar. And cutting my dependency on sweetness, for me, was the beginning of this wonderful freedom that I talk about in Life After Sugar, the freedom that comes from not needing sweetness anymore. Oh, and you can also pair fruit with some cheese or nuts or nut butter so as to reduce the blood sugar and insulin spike if you're particularly sensitive to the sugar in fruit. And that way, when you lessen the blood sugar spike and the insulin spike, you also lessen the chances of getting cravings. And the combination of sweet and savoury tastes is really nice. Now, the other side of the answer to this question is to do with your outlook and your attitude. And that you have 100% power over even though it may not feel that way. 
So how can you handle celebrations when you've decided to be sugar-free or at least to reduce sugar and still enjoy outings and holidays and get-togethers with friends and family and colleagues and still feel that you're treating yourself? Well, one of the things that really helped me back in 2015 when I first cut sugar and sweeteners was to change the way that I viewed sugar, desserts and treats. I know it sounds a bit philosophical, but actually it's worth stopping and thinking about. Because if you don't stop and think about your relationship with sugar and treats, then real, deep, lasting change is less likely to happen. So if you feel like you're missing out or denying yourself by not eating dessert or not eating sweet treats at a get-together, then just make a mental note of that. No need to judge yourself or beat yourself up about it. See if you can reframe the situation so that you can bring your attention to the people you're celebrating with so that the quality time you're spending with them becomes your treat and you get to a place where you're 100% aware of how much enjoyment and fun you're having at the celebration and with the people who are there, rather than giving sugar the power to determine how much fun you're having and how you see treats in life. Now, I do realise that this is easier said than done. I'm not claiming it's easy, but I am encouraging you to believe that it's possible, not just for me, Netta, but for you too. In fact, changing your mindset and your approach to life, even though it's not super easy, is the one thing that you have power over. So use that power. Don't give it to sugar. And look, I totally get it. I mean, I kind of fell into living a sugar-free life I didn't want to cut sugar and I didn't want to give up all my favourite comfort foods. But what if you are ready and willing and committed to starting your sugar-free life, but you don't want to give up ice cream, cookies, chocolate, or comfort foods like pasta, bread, crackers, chips? The good news is, that I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian or even your (laughs) mum. So I won't be telling you what you can or can't eat. But if you're ready and willing and committed to becoming sugar-free, then it does require you to take a closer look at the psychology of sugar addiction and, well, human behaviour including your own. And that's not always an easy or a comfortable place to be, but in my experience, with over seven years of living happily sugar-free, taking a deeper, more honest look at your own needs and your own behaviours is really the only way to living a sustainable, easy, natural and happy sugar-free life. So the answers I just gave 
to help you change the way that you view sugar and treats and dessert and the foods that you can replace sugar with, like whole fruit, hopefully these help you a little bit. And I just want to mention one more aspect of this question, which is how do you handle going to dinner at someone's house or to a restaurant or some sort of outing where food is offered where you don't know how their food is prepared? I'll give the answer to this right after this important 100th episode anniversary message that I have for you. Because this is the 100th episode of the Life After Sugar podcast and I want to celebrate with you, I want to offer you a special gift. And because I do realize that the holiday period is especially challenging and doubly so if this is your first year being sugar-free. I mean, I remember my first holiday season back in 2015. It just felt weird to be so different, different from everyone else, but also different from how I'd always celebrated the holiday season. I have wonderful memories of Christmas morning when the first thing that I would reach for was my box of after eight mints. You know, those thin chocolate mints. And I'd eat half the box before I'd even open my presents. And of course, I'd tell all my family, what? These are after eights. It's always after eight somewhere in the world, right? Now, being sugar-free doesn't take away all those wonderful memories. I still have them and I still cherish them. But now, I'm making new memories. Some to do with food and some that have nothing at all to do with what I'm eating. And this has taught me to really appreciate what I'm celebrating, who I'm celebrating with and why we're celebrating together. And this is what I wish for you this year, especially if it's your first year sugar-free. So that's why I've put together my tips for how to handle celebrations when you've decided to be sugar-free so that you can enjoy the holidays and social occasions and still treat yourself. I've made these tips available for you on my website. Just go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the big gold banner at the top of the page to download your tips for a one-time low price. And as a special bonus, you'll get access throughout the month of December to our support calls that I call check-in calls inside of the After Sugar Club. The tips and access to our live check-in calls are only available until midnight Eastern on December 16th, so go get them today by going to aftersugarclub.com and clicking on the big gold banner that you'll see at the top of the page. That's aftersugarclub.com and click on the gold banner at the top. Okay, so Getting back to the question about 
How do you handle going to dinner at someone's house or to a restaurant or to a work function when you don't know how their food is prepared? What do you do? What do you say? Well, here's my advice based on over seven years of living a socially active, sugar-free life, notwithstanding the pandemic, and I hope that you can benefit from my mistakes when I give you a little rundown of what to say and what not to say when somebody invites you over or offers you sugary or starchy foods that you've decided you don't want to eat anymore. So here's my advice. Be aware that very often other people's comments about your food choices or your health or how you look can feel insensitive or hurtful, but a lot of times it may just be a case of projection. In other words, where others are placing their own negative traits or unwanted emotions onto you. It may actually not even be about you, but more about the person who is feeling uncomfortable or unsure about how your changes are making them feel. Now, I'm no psychologist, but it may also be a a subtle type of sabotage on their part that they're not even aware they're doing. Comments that can feel hurtful or insensitive could also simply be due to a lack of knowledge about sugar or its effects on your health. Or they might come from social pressure or the habit of a lifetime or genuine bewilderment about why you would even consider not eating sugar. And in my experience, very often, when people offer you a dessert or something they've baked or made for you, it actually comes from a deep place of love and the desire to please you. And it's really important to acknowledge this and to make sure that the other person feels that you deeply appreciate the positive intention behind their gesture. Because you don't want them to feel like you're rejecting them if you politely refuse the particular food they're offering. And acknowledging their caring and loving gesture is also a good exercise for you to find loving, gentle ways to have a real dialogue with others or to say nothing at all, which can be just as loving especially if other people don't understand or agree with your decision to cut sugar. Sometimes silence is golden. All right, so what should you say? And especially, what should you not say? Again, please learn from my mistakes. So if somebody offers you food that has sugar or flour in it or any other ingredients that you've decided to stop eating, one of the best things to do is to say a polite no thank you without any justification at all. But if you do feel that you want to give a little bit more information, then you could say, I'd rather not thank you. I feel better without sugar. Or, you're so kind, but I found that anything with sugar in it makes me feel, then explain how you feel, or gives me a headache or digestive issues, or whatever it is that's actually happening for you. If it's at the end of the meal, you could also say, I'm full, thank you. 
And one of my favourites is to say, I'm enjoying myself and your company so much, I don't need anything else. What not to say are things that could be construed to be judgmental, like, ugh, no way, sugar's poison. You know, if other people choose to eat foods with sugar in them, I don't think they should be made to feel guilty or judged about it. Another thing not to say is, do you realise how much sugar is in that thing? You know, like a lecture? Please, it's really not necessary. And neither is it necessary to start quoting studies and scientific proof of just how bad sugar is. Chances are most people already know how bad sugar is. They don't need to be hit over the head about it. And you know, everybody's different. And I think we should respect their choices as much as they should respect our own. Another thing not to say is, don't give me that food or that dish. I don't want any. That's not a very thoughtful or polite way of refusing something. A simple no thank you is perfectly fine. And another thing I found not to say is, oh, I wish I could, but I'm not allowed to eat sugar or flour or whatever. Excuse me? I personally think that you're allowed to eat whatever you want and the allowed or not allowed approach belongs to the diet culture. Cutting sugar is your choice. It's your choice so that you feel better and it's your choice so that you take care of yourself. And nobody else is telling you what you are allowed or not allowed to eat or do. And if you don't want to offend anyone or have to justify your choices or be judged for what you eat or you don't eat or if you're an intermittent faster for when you eat, then that's totally normal. We live in a society and we eat in a society. In other words, eating is a social activity. So other people are bound to notice when you make any kind of change. And sometimes when other people are uncomfortable because they're not on the same path as you are, then unconsciously they might try to sabotage your efforts. Because change can be threatening, especially for people who are not ready for it. And some people that you may be spending the holidays with or celebrating with may not even be aware of the path that you're on to being sugar-free. So at the holiday season and all year round, give them some grace and compassion and start by giving yourself some grace and compassion. Because that is sweeter than sugar. And thank you, Elaine, for sending in these amazing questions. I hope the answers help you just a little bit. And because I received so many questions for the 100th episode, I decided to have two different episodes dedicated to listeners' questions and my answers. So in the next episode, episode number 101, I'm going to be answering questions like, what do you do with cravings that hit at night? And also, was there ever a moment in your first year, mine, Netta, 
when you considered going back to life with sugar? Brilliant question there. And another question about what do you do when you live with people who still consume sugar? Another question that I had is not so much about sugar, but about flour and whether different types of bread, like sprouted bread, is okay. And also, whether making your own fermented foods and drinks, like kombucha and sauerkraut, is really something that you could do on your own. Can't wait to answer that one. And also the emotional eating part. That emotional connection, that relationship that we have with sugar that makes it so difficult to let go of and that isn't talked about enough. Like, what do you do when you're having a stressful day and you just want to reward yourself for dealing with it or if someone's fighting with you and you're the type of person that likes to avoid conflict? That kind of stuff is not taught anywhere and it can definitely be the major cause of this unhealthy relationship we have with sugar and comfort foods. I totally get that. And one final question I'll be answering next week is about how sugar affects our mental health. There is a lot of scientific proof that sugar is closely linked with depression and anxiety and the gut-brain connection, in other words, the importance of gut health, is central to this question. And as a bonus, I'll also be talking about overcoming cravings in the next episode, episode 101 of the Life After Sugar podcast. So in the meantime, if the idea of handling celebrations at this time of year with less or even no sugar makes you nervous or uncomfortable, and you'd like to get some support and insight and guidance from someone who's handled plenty of celebrations sugar-free, then I'm inviting you to go to my website, aftersugarclub.com, and click on the big gold banner at the top of the page to get my tips for how to handle celebrations when you've decided to be sugar-free so that you can enjoy holidays and social occasions and still treat yourself. Along with the tips, you'll get the chance to come to our live support calls that I call check-in calls inside of the After Sugar Club. So we'll be able to chat together and you'll get all of your questions answered and lots of support from our lovely community. The tips and this special bonus of our live support calls throughout the month of December will be available for you until midnight Eastern on December 16th. So go get them today. That's aftersugarclub.com and click on the big gold banner at the top of the page. And if you haven't done so already, could I ask you to please rate this podcast by scrolling down and tapping on the stars? And please write a short review to let me know how this podcast is inspiring you in your life after sugar. The more ratings and reviews this podcast has, the more it gets suggested on people's podcast players and the more people will discover it and the more people we can help let go of sugar and find the real sweetness in their life. 
Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.